I invite you to turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21. We're working our way through this book slowly, but it's a foundational book for the Christian life. And it's, uh, it's important that we get this uh, book right. It's establishing for us, too, a um, foundation for our faith. And uh, so it's, this is a very important book. And so I, I appreciate your faithfulness and attendance and your tedious and your, um, uh, your attention as we move through this seemingly tediously. But, but there's so much good stuff, so much information here that we need to know. Genesis chapter 21, verse 1 says, Now Yahweh visited Sarah as he had said, and Yahweh did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of of which Christ had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this passage. What a wonderful thing this is. Lord, it's so good to, <clears throat> to see the rejoicing of uh, your people, even even back in the book of Genesis. We still have that same joy today. We thank you. Bless the reading of your word. Bless this word as we unpack this, that we would apply this appropriately to our life. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, we've been looking at faith um, we've been talking about the importance of faith, that we, we understand what faith is, biblical faith. And we need to, we, we've seen that without faith it is impossible to please God. If there's no faith, there's no salvation. And even today we saw that uh, anything else that we would put our faith in is idolatry. And it's dangerous. We may not think of idolatry in that way, but that's the way the Bible presents idolatry. It's putting our faith in anything else. Faith is important. And again, no faith, no salvation. We better get a biblical understanding of what faith is. Because when we evaluate our own heart, we want to, we want to make sure that we have biblical faith. We want to make sure that, that it's genuine, that it's uh, true, and it's Faith that is from God. Now we've seen the the big picture. The big picture is that uh, genuine faith. We saw in Ruth that is a 
It's one of those things that rejects the world. It pursues the things of God. And there's an enduring quality there. And then we see, we saw in Lot's wife that even though she was attached to the believing community at the time, she still had a love for this world that, that was causing her to be an unbeliever. Putting her faith in this world was not genuine faith. It was a dead faith. And then last week we saw Abraham and this is a wavering faith, a faith that that is a true faith. But yet we find that that faith fails sometimes because of the fear of man. We looked at Abraham and it was just the fear of man, but it doesn't stay in that unbelief. It moves on from there. Uh, like Peter, Peter is a wonderful example of that. He moved on. Because it's a living faith, a living hope, Peter says. Next, we need to see that it's a growing faith. It's a growing faith. It's a faith that, that will get stronger and stronger. Now, it might, might not be perceptible, might not be seen all the time. It's kind of hard to see the growth of an oak tree. You plant that and it, and it might spring up pretty quickly and it'll grow, but it's it's hard to see on a daily basis. You perceive it week after week or year after year. And, and we know that there's growth. It's kind of like our children or our grandchildren. We go to visit our grandchildren and we can see growth because we haven't seen them for a few weeks or, or maybe a month or so. But it's hard for the parents who are with them every day to see growth. You might see it in their clothes size, right? You go to the store, you buy them this this shirt or this pants and you bring it home and they, it doesn't even fit because they've grown. Probably just the time that you were at the store, they probably grown. Now today I want us to dig a little bit deeper now and I want us to lay out a, a definition and an understanding, a biblical understanding of, of faith. What is true saving faith? And there's four passages that I want us to turn to or, or to look at, <clears throat> maybe five. The first one is Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. If you would just quickly turn over there with me. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is the assurance. There's a confidence there. It's not just wishful thinking. It's, it's, a, it's a confidence that, yes, this is going to happen. It's assurance of things hoped for. So there's a promise made, there's something that you're looking forward to, and you've got confidence. Yes, this is going to happen. In fact, he goes on to say the conviction, now that's even a stronger term, it's conviction. This is, this is going to happen of things not seen. You can't see it. If you could see it, if it has already been realized, it wouldn't be faith, it would be sight. That's the, the way the Scripture presents it. So there's four key elements here quickly. Just a, a promise that's made, something that you look forward to, and then time, and then trust, and then faithfulness. See all four of those elements. And from God's perspective, from God's standpoint, there's a, a promise made, and then time. God determines when that's going to be fulfilled. And then from man's perspective, it's just trust and faithfulness. Or trust and, and waiting on God to fulfill that. It's like a, a child waiting for Christmas. We know it's going to come. We know it's going to happen. We can count down the days. It's just a, it's just a matter of, of waiting and being faithful to that. 
Number two, the second passage is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Again, you, you know this is probably review for, for many of us. But Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is the faith that saves us. We've been saved through faith, putting our faith and trust in Christ. And this, not of yourself, it is a gift from God. Where does it come from? From God. It's not my faith. It's not mental fortitude, something I conjure up from within myself. It's not uh, projecting or, or manifesting faith or manifesting these things to come to pass. No, this is a gift from God, a supernatural gift from God that He gives us or He grants us. It's not just optimism that, that realizes itself. It is a gift from God. Another passage is Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Where does it come from? It comes from God. How do we get it? In verse 17, very simple verse. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. We hear the message about Christ. We hear the message, uh, the, the truth about Christ, the, the, that he died for our sins, that he was buried, that he rose again, understanding who he was. And we place our faith in Him. Or, or technically, the Holy Spirit then ignites our heart. We hear that message. He ignites our heart from hearing that word and transforms us from within. And there's new life there. There's, there's faith there where, where there wasn't faith before. There's a, a quickening. Now, if the Holy Spirit didn't work in our life, we would just receive that information. It would just be on, on deaf ears. It would just be another fairy tale or just uh, just a, a story from history. Yeah, that sounds good. And we may accept it, may believe it, may not believe it. But it, without the work of the Holy Spirit producing that faith and generating that faith in our life, it just would not be there, would not happen. It's the gift from God. Now, what's next? What does it look like then? Once that faith has, has come into our life, and we see over in 1 Peter chapter 1, a wonderful passage that we need to be uh, aware of, even memorize, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice. So there's rejoicing here, even though, though uh, now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So trials come into our life. They expose our faith. And we begin to see that's real faith. I haven't, haven't left. It, it exposes a genuine faith here. And so verse 7, he says, so that the proof of your faith. So once that faith has been proven, we see that faith and we say, yeah, that's genuine faith. And it, uh, it produces then within us a, a joy is being more precious than gold. That's valuable. That's a, 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 a ticket into heaven. That's genuine faith. Which is gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's something that we long to see Christ now. And, and it results in praise and worship to Him. Verse 8 is the key. So here's the definition. And though we do not see Him, that's faith. We can't see Him, 
to walk by faith, not by sight. We what? We love him. We love him. We've never seen him. But, but yet we, we love. There's a, a, a love that the Holy Spirit produces within our life that is, that is just there. And though we do not see him now, we believe in him. We put our faith in him. We trust him on a daily basis. Not just long term, but practical uh, living faith. We believe in him. And you, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. It produces then a, a love for Christ, a devotion to Christ, and, and then just joy in our heart. Inexpressible, full of glory, receiving as the outcome of this faith, or your faith, the salvation of your soul. So he's defining this faith. And this faith then is, is a joyous faith. It produces within the believer's life a love for Christ. A joy that's that's there, a longing to see Christ return. So much so that what you see in Titus chapter two and verse ten, Paul uh, talks about adorning the doctrine of God. So this faith in produces a beauty in the believer's life as we live this out. It's called holiness. It's a family resemblance. We're holy like our Heavenly Father is holy. It's, a, it's putting on robes of righteousness that beautify the Christian life to the watching world. And the watching world sees that and they see this hope and they ask, where does this hope come from within you? It's a beautiful life. So, so genuine faith has this these elements and it produces this beautiful life and it's detectable not only in times of trial but also in times of peace when there's no trial when times are are good um this faith can be seen it can be detected why because there's a, a beauty there's a holiness about the believer's life about the christian life that is being produced in this in this Christian, this new life, this new believer. Now, so, so this is a special kind of faith. This is a faith in a person that we cannot see, a person who died for us and was buried for us, raised, uh, a re- resurrected for us, and that captures our attention and ignites our heart through the work of the Holy Spirit and produces affection in our life. And it affects the whole direction of our, of our life. And we follow Him. We obey Him. We hang on His Word. We love Him. We seek to know Him. We look for Him to return. We desire to be with Him. And it causes a person to, to even come to the point that he would be willing to die for Him. Be willing to die. That's the, the kind of it. It's a confidence. We can't see Him yet, but I will die for Him. And we've seen men and women throughout history that have come to that, that are willing to lay down their life. So genuine faith and is a rejection of this world, a, a commitment to God and the pursuing of the things of God. And it's marked by uh, a genuine endurance, an ability to overcome, ability to stay. And it's that way because it's, it's supernatural because it's a gift from God. It's something that God has produced in our life. Now, let's go back to our Genesis passage with this in mind. For us to understand this passage, we need to have that background. We need to understand what's going on here. And, 
in this scene here. And it's, it's simply the, the birth of a baby, the birth of Isaac. Um, and the, the, the point, and that's the point that Israel needed to understand this, but we, we need to see kind of behind the scene what is, is going on in Abraham's life because we, we want to evaluate his faith. And the birth of the baby is a wonderful time. The, the stress is, is off. God has <clears throat> fulfilled his promise with this child. The pressure's off. The weight has been lifted from Abraham and, and, I, and uh, Sarah's life. Um, and, and this is a, a time of joy. And it's a, a wonderful mindset, we might call it. A, a time of, of peace and rejoicing. Paul might call this part the part of the, the quiet and peaceable life. When things are smooth, things are going well, the Lord is, is blessing in our life. But note there's a danger here. There's a danger. And this is where I think you can detect real genuine faith. The danger here is when when things are good, we think we don't need God anymore. We think, well, we've got this, you know, so we don't pursue the things of God. We don't, we don't need God's help anymore. We've, we've got this. And so we just kind of take matters into our own hands and, and kind of forget about God. But genuine faith is even going to grow during these times. It's going to be detectable. The heart's exposed through trials. The heart's also exposed. What do you do in those peaceful times? And those times are, are good between you and the Lord and good between uh, 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 the circumstances of our life. And let me go back to our, our definition, the principle. You see it on the screen. Genuine faith is at the core of who we are. Not just seen in the trials, the core of who we are and is demonstrated by the direction of our life. And it's, and, and it's measurable even. Even in times of... Uh, where there's no trials. And the question then is, is, what would God expect us to see in this passage? Or what can we learn from Abraham as he goes through this quiet and, and simple life here? Uh, we evaluate his faith. And the point is that we evaluate our own heart, right? That's the point. We look at, we look at this. Abraham is built up as the, the man of faith. What was Abraham's faith like when, when things were good? When things were good. And there's three marks I want you to see. Three things that I want you to see about growing faith. We see God's promise. We see Abraham's obedience. And we see a family celebration here. This is just a, a wonderful passage to, to keep in mind. Let's look at God's promise first. God's promises in first uh, verses one and two and Yahweh visited Sarah as he had said, predicted in the past, as he had said, Yahweh did for Sarah as he had promised. Notice the terminology there. He had promised these things. Verse two. So Sarah conceived the Lord allowed her to conceive and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the appointed time of which God had spoken. This is a supernatural event. This is from God. If you didn't, if you didn't catch that and just notice the terminology, notice the phrases. This three or four times there. This is from God. It's a supernatural work. This isn't just happenstance. This isn't uh, just a prediction. This isn't just a lucky guess, maybe. 
on Abraham's part. But this is generated by God. This is a, a deliberate, intention act, intentional act from God. Now, how do we know it's from God? One, it's a miracle. They did this in their old age. Abraham was how old? 100 years old. Sarah was 90 years old. Now, raise your hand if you're... Uh, don't, don't go down that road. We also see just details. It's going to be a son... Here's his name. He needs to be circumcised. We see details. This is an, an act of God. God promised and he kept his promise. This is a decree. This is what theologians would call an edict from God. He is, he is, he is declaring this to happen and this happens. That's the way God works. This is not just foretold or predicted, but he makes it work. It's generated from God. As he said, as he promised, as he uh, established the time. Now, so this is, this is predictive. If you go back to Genesis chapter 12, remember back that, that, that God had said to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you a great nation. You can't do that without a son. Abraham has been waiting for 25 years for this. 25 years. It's a long time. Long time. Genesis chapter 17, verse 16. God gives them a heads up, which is a wonderful thing. Chapter 17 and verse 16. He says, uh, and I will bless her. Now, this is about a year earlier. I will bless her indeed. I will give you a son by her. This is Sarah. That uh, then I will bless her and you shall, she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Will a son be born to a man who is a hundred years old? And will Sarah, ninety years old, bear a son? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael. So this is, this is not Abraham's first child. Oh, that Ishmael would walk before you. And God said to him, No, but Sarah, Sarah, your wife will bear a son and you will, uh, and you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him. Now, that's the key. And this is why Israel needs to understand this. Because there's a covenant here between God and Abraham and all of Abraham's offspring. The very next son that was born to him in the uh, promise of God, under the covenant of God, uh, was establishing this nation for an everlasting covenant for his seed after him. And then you skip down to verse 21. Well, that was 21. Skip down to chapter 18 and verse 10. You see this? I will surely return to you this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will be will have a son. Wow. One year notice here. And Sarah was, was listening in a tent. And what did she do? She, she laughed. Oh, that's... But she was rebuked by the, by the angel in verse 14. Is anything too difficult for God? Just be warned. Be careful here. Don't, don't doubt. Nothing is too difficult for God. 
So then you see when this thing is fulfilled, when, when God finally brings this baby into their life, 25 years after the fact. He is the, the, the son of promise. Notice that this is part of Sarah's faith as well in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. And by faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive even beyond the, pow- even beyond the proper time of life. She is beyond childbearing years since she received him faithful, uh, regarded him faithful who had promised. So there was faith in Sarah's part. The son of promise. Not Ishmael, but Isaac. You see faith there. Now, so what's, what's going on here? We, we see this. This is a, a child. This is not like any other child. This is going to be, um, he is the second person in the patriarchy. That God has established a covenant here between these, this family and, uh, uh, and himself. And Israel needs to see the depth here of God's covenant. They are to be a people that is devoted to Him. They are the people, there will be a, there will be a people that will receive His words and dispense His word to the other nations. They are to be a, a people that's an example to the other nations, leading the other nations. And this is the first step. It's not a nation, but it's the first step. Second person of the patriarchy. 25 years, there's rejoicing. God has kept His promise. But note that our principle here is growing faith is seen. It's, it's seen in the recognition that God's work in a person's life. And that's what Abraham is doing here. God recognize, or Abraham recognizes this is God's work. You say, well, this is just a, a one-time thing. This wasn't, uh, you know... This isn't always happening. In James chapter 1, though, James chapter 1, it's worth turning there. James chapter 1, verse 17, a verse that we need to keep in mind. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. So, yeah, this is a special son. This is a special child. But in the New Testament, we, we know that everything good given to us, it's from who? It's from God. We always have reason to celebrate. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think that Abraham's faith was bolstered as a result of this fulfillment? Absolutely. Absolutely. Abraham's probably bursting at the seams here. This baby was born. He's saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. This promise was fulfilled and his faith is now sight. And he's saying God can do anything. He's an amazing God waiting 25 years for this baby to be born. And you see the exercising of faith during that time. 25 years. Faith is like a muscle. It has to be exercised. It's hard. If you've ever tried to work out. Barbells or push-ups or running, anything like that. It's hard. It's not fun. And Abraham, for 25 years, he exercised faith. He, it, it, he would stumble at times, but he would come back and his faith would, would uh, be a little stronger, but it was exercise. It's, it's 
It hurts. It's hard. It takes focus. It takes con- some concentration. So, so this is not a, a one-time act. This is a, a constant thing in Abraham's life. He probably saw everything as God's gift. And he sees this is just another gift from God. And folks, that's, the, that's a maturity. That's a growing faith. That we see everything from God's hand. Um, and, it, and it causes us to see God from a different perspective, isn't it? We begin to see God as a good shepherd. We begin to see the God who is a, a God of all comfort. And a God of all grace. A God who provides. A God who is a, a giver of life and sustainer of life. That bolsters our faith when we begin to see every day God's working in our life. Every little gift is a gift from God. We have stuff to celebrate, folks. We do. But a man, a woman who is growing in their faith, they recognize, they see God's hand in little things throughout life. Yep, God's working. We see that. So God's promise fulfilled here. We see the recognition of that from Abraham. He, he, he recognized, he saw this was God. Look at Abraham's obedience then. Go back to our passage. Genesis chapter 21, verse 3 says, And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, which Sarah bore him to him, Isaac. Called him Isaac. Now, if you go back to chapter 17 and verse 19, that's exactly what he was supposed to call him. Verse 19, and God says, No, but from Sarah, your wife, you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. Isaac means he laughs. Or, or laughter, if you want to call it that. And so there's a play on, his name is a play on words here. And it's a w- wonderful thing. We'll see that when we get to S- Sarah's response here. And the second thing, so we see obedience on Abraham's part. The first thing is just naming him as Isaac. The second is in verse 4, then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old. As God had commanded him. Now, what do we see here? This is, this is just wonderful, I think. God had commanded, chapter 17, verse 12, that they be circumcised, that all the male be circumcised. But you just see obedience on Abraham's part. But you think, okay, the big part's done. I, I, I kept the, the big commandments, but what difference does it make what I name my son? You know, I've got the son. What difference does it make? Or, you know, what difference does it make that he's circumcised on the eighth day? What we see is the principle is growing faith is, uh, is seen in, in the obedience of the small mundane things of life, not just the great things. So often, so often, folks, we say those with a dead faith, it's just about appearance. They'll keep the all oh, the big commandments there. They'll they'll be an appearance of of religion, an attachment, keeping keeping the uh, the facade going. But there's no real interest in pleasing God. No real interest in in the little details of of how God is pleased. The little commands that well we we think are little commands. But but that's that's kind of the way it is. You you, you see people like that. 
Well, they have a facade of religion, but not really interested in loving God. Not really interested in growing. Not really interested in pursuing the things of God. Pursuing God's Word. Even church attendance. Hit or miss. And it's as though they're just attached so that they can manipulate God. They'll run to God when it's, when it's convenient. When there's a need. The focus is on the need though, not the God. They're not interested in pleasing God. Just, just get me out of this circumstance. Alleviate the need. Alleviate the problem for me. There's no real attraction there. There's no real uh, desire to, to get to know this God. What are His attributes? What is He like? What does He dislike? How does He shepherd? How does He love? How does He discipline us? You just focus on fix the problem. Now, this is a... Just think about this as an illustration uh, it's kind of the way we treat our car, you know. We just we don't pay attention to the car until it breaks down. We take it into to the mechanic. The mechanic says, "Oh, you need to do this on a daily basis. You need to do this on a weekly basis. You need to check the oil, check the all of these these things." And or, or the body. We when the body breaks down, we take it to the doctor. The doctor says, "Hey, you need to do this on a daily basis. You need to do this. You need to eat this. You need to exercise. You need to do these things." There's there's maintenance. And people that, that are concerned are not just running to the doctor or not just running to the uh, mechanic. No, they do the faithful things. And, and that's what we see here. Abraham is just committed to the faithful things, the little things of life. How, how can I please you, Lord? How can I demonstrate my love to you, Lord? God's ways of righteousness. Now listen to this. God's ways of righteousness is made up of the, of the big commands, the, the Ten Commandments, as well as the principles that we see throughout Scripture. The, the building upon the rock, the principles that we see in, in the Sermon on the Mount that, God, that Christ gave. That genuine faith pursues God's wisdom not just God's command. Okay, pastor, you tell me what to do. I'll do those things. No, there's a desire to please God that needs to be there. If it's not there, that faith is not going to grow. That faith is not real, probably. And it's a, usually a dead faith. Dead faith. This is concerned about the words. Well, tell me what words to say. What are curse words? And, and tell me what words not to say. They don't really ask about what's the motivation of the heart. Are you trying to build up the person? Are you trying to tear down the person? What's the motivation of the heart? Oh, just tell me the words to say. It's not just about the words. You can use no curse words at all and be tearing people down. It's not about the movie that you watch or the movie that you can't watch. Well, you can't watch this movie, can watch this movie. It's about the philosophy behind the movie. It's about the lifestyle that this movie is promoting and supporting. You can listen to this music. You can't listen to that music. That's, that's kind of legalistic, right? You can listen to this music. can't listen to this music. But what about the why? Because there's an attitude that comes from that music. That, that, that is, most people are just oblivious to. They just buy into the attitude, whether they're listening to the music or not. And there's, there's things that are important here. It's the motivation of the action. 
I can tell you how to dress and say, wear this, don't wear this. But you can still uh, be, to, be uh, dressed to just be seen, act cool. There's, a, there's a, 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 an action, there's a, a way of, of living that is just according to the flesh. It's the, the desires of the flesh, elevation of man, the pride of life. So dead faith, if you're looking carefully, dead faith, they don't really care about that. Living, genuine, true faith, how can I please God? That motivates them. Give me righteousness. There's a hunger and thirst for righteousness there. And number three, we see family celebration here. This is just, this is just a wonderful thing. Go back to our passage, verses 5 through 8. Now, Abraham was 100 years old. When his son Isaac was born to him and Sarah said, God has made laughter for me and everyone who hears will laugh with me. I love that. She's drawing people in. This is a joyous thing. Now, now she could be, it's a matter of focus. She could be focusing on, I shouldn't have laughed and all of this kind of, she just brought that in. Everybody's going to laugh at this. This is just hilarious. Nine years old and having a child. It's a wonderful thing. Laugh with me. And he says, she says, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a child? Yet I have borne him a son in my old age. That, that's a, that's a statement of faith there. I've waited. We kept trying. We kept pushing. We did all that we could do. And the Lord came through. The Lord has given this. The Lord has done this thing. That's on Sarah's part. We see faith there. And she's drawing people in. Drawing people in to celebrate. Look what God has done. Look at Abraham does the same thing in verse 8. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. Weaned would have probably been a two or three years old when they saw the child. Yep, the child's going to succeed. The child's going to thrive in life. And he was weaned from his mother. And uh, great celebration. Great celebration. I just, I just love this. Because it just shows where Abraham's heart is. And we see the principles. Growing faith is seen in bringing other people into the celebration of what God is doing, of God's goodness. It's just pointing to God. Now, folks, we have a lot to celebrate. And God has, if you're a believer, God has worked in your life. You have this, this new life. And everything could be a celebration. Because every good gift given, it's from above. And it could be celebrated. And we are people who celebrate. We have something to celebrate about, don't we? A true celebration. We are people of joy. Whether you're rich or poor, it doesn't matter the circumstances of your life. There's something to celebrate because we, uh, we have God's blessing on our life. Because we've experienced the grace of God. We have a hope Within us that people say, where does that hope come from? Your circumstances are, are, uh, doesn't contribute to that. And we can say we, we point to God. We bring other people into the celebration. It's not just an optimism. It's not just wishful thinking. This is, this is genuine hope. This is genuine love for God. 
This is May. Well, just finished up May, right? Just finished up May. May we've had how many weddings? Two or three weddings in my family. We've had new jobs in this congregation. We have graduations. We have babies being born. We have weddings. And every one of those good gifts from the Lord. Do we recognize that? Do we say, Lord, thank you for that? And then when we do celebrate, when we come together, we, do we point to God and say, God did this. God did, God did the work producing these things in our life. I, I don't like doing this, but at the dinner table in our family, every night, I, I don't like uh, just, you know, it's not that we were perfect at all, but we did a few things right. At the dinner table, though, we had asked the children, Every day we'd say, what was the worst thing of the day and what was the best thing of the day? And when there was a, a best thing of the day, we would, I would try to connect it to God. Look what God is doing. Look what God did in your life. It's an amazing confidence. Every day, every day, pointing to God. Abraham celebrated, brought everybody in. Hey, let's feast. Look what God has done. We have something to celebrate. And it's all pointing to God. Pointing to God. That's a person that is growing in their faith. That's a person that's faith just continues to grow. Genuine faith is at the core of who we are, and it sets and it and it determines the direction of our life. And that direction can be seen not only in the trials of life, but what happens at peacetime. I like what uh, R.C. And, and it builds our faith, doesn't it? When when the Lord promises and and he fulfills that lord uh, folks how many promises do we hang on to i'll never leave you or forsake you i'm a good shepherd i shall not want how many promises do we hang on to and every day we're building those muscles and it and it becomes a beautiful thing this holiness in our life i like what uh rc sprawl he, he just just a little comment Our confidence, this is faith, our confidence in the future rests in the God who controls the history. God who controls history. And that is so true. We can look back, we see what the Lord has done in our life, and it produces a confidence in our life. Folks, we live in a world that we should be, there there should be a sharp contrast between us and the world. It's, It's like oil and water. Completely different. Completely different. But we also have a Christianity in today's society that's, that's kind of intermingled with the world. You can't, you can't tell any difference there. But we are to stand out. We're to stand out in the trials of life, but in the smooth things of life. We're to be pursuing God. We're to be, we're to be pursuing holiness. And that produces in the believer's life a a joy, love for God, but it produces a beauty in the believer's life, adorning the doctrine of God. And, and that's what God's doing in our life. Maybe imperceptible, but every day, every day, growth. Every week, growth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, just thank you for this wonderful passage. We see Abraham and his his. Faith just kind of stands out and he's standing strong and you have worked in his life and it's obviously your doing and 
Lord, he's resting in you. Lord, give us that kind of faith. That kind of faith that, that doesn't just walk away when things are good. We don't need you anymore. We can, we can do it on our own. Lord, we need you every hour. May that sink deep into our minds. We need you every hour. Every day. And then, Lord, help us to recognize your work in our life. We recognize that every good gift is from you. And, Lord, may we celebrate what you are doing. Thank you for your love and kindness, your faithfulness to us, your grace. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.